Captain on deck. Greetings from inside the simulacra. Captain Hicks here. And we're going to review Dream Scenario. And when we talk Dream Scenario, it's about one of my faves. It's about Nick fucking Cage. The man, the myth, the legend, the one and only. Um... You know, there's 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 so many reasons I like Nick Cage. What what is interesting to me is the the direction his career has gone in. You know, and you know he comes from from pedigree. You know, he's he he comes from the Coppola family, right? You know, his father is Francis Ford Coppola's brother, so he's his nephew. He's Talia Shire's nephew. He's cousins with Roman and and Sophia. Uh, he's cousins with Jason and Robert Schwartzman, so he's got he's got that family pedigree, and but then you know after Fast Times he he no longer um, accredited himself as Nicholas Coppola. He went to Nick Cage, so he didn't want to lean on that. So I, I really respect that from from the outset, and um, and we'll get into stuff about Nick, but you know this film it's a departure. It's kind of like the first time he played. A character similar to the Charlie Kaufman character in adaptation, where it's it's uh you know it's about a, a beta male Paul Matthews. He's he's kind of a you know a listless family man. He's a tenured professor. I think he's a he's in biology, evolutionary biology. Okay, and he discovers that people st- are starting to to dream about him. You know. He, and, and I'm not going to mention anything you don't see in the trailer, so there's no spoilers here. And people just start, start dreaming about him. And it's what it does to this man who's kind of a, uh, you know, a, a wallflower, right? And he's a dreamer, not a doer. And what this kind of fame and celebrity does... Uh, to his life from an external and an internal standpoint. And Nick Cage does such a good job with this role. You forget that um, it's Nick Cage for a little while. <laughs> you know, you for, you definitely forget it's the Nick Cage from The Rock or Face Off, right? So, um, and, and there's such a good cast in this. Uh you know, one of the, you know, Juliana Nicholson, she, she does such a good job in the fact that, um, you know, in the, you, you need to have, it it seems like in these kind of films, you always have that kind of, um, female lead that has these bottled up issues that they don't express until too late. And, I, I like how she played it. She is such a uh, um, accomplished actress. I mean, she she was in, I remember her in Mayor of Easttown recently, and she's done you know I Tanya. She's done a lot of stuff, but she kind of reminds me of Kathleen uh, Keener in this. She 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 takes that kind of that. I think she took notes on what she did in some of the other Kaufman stuff and incorporated it into her performance in uh, Dream Scenario. Also, you got Michael Sarah in there. He plays. He, he, he does a he does a a good role, uh, perfect role for him. 
And, uh, you know, Tim Meadows makes a, a, an appearance, you know, Saturday Night Live. And we haven't seen him in years. Um, but it's a, it's a good, accomplished cast. And it's one of those just what is the nature of reality type of mind bender. And um, now, in and of itself, was it a great film? I wouldn't call it a great film. I would call it a very interesting and uh, fascinating film. Does it have? It has. It has. You know, it starts strong. I actually think it ended pretty good. There's some parts in the middle. There's some parts in that second part of the second act that got a little wobbly, but that's kind of par for the course on this kind of film, to tell you the truth. It's hard to sustain. When I, I remember when I read, um, gosh. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Robert McKee. You know, goes always goes back to Robert McKee. But he says, you're allowed one magical um, event. So the, 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 the audience will allow you one thing that defies logic. It's like you get one cheat code. And if you use just the one cheat code, people can go with you on it. Like Back to the Future. Time travel? Okay, you get your one cheat code. But when you start to add anything else or the cheat code expands too broadly, you lose people. So, And, and when you're dealing with a subject matter that is this outrageous, you're going to definitely lose people. It's not. It's high fantasy. It's intellectual high fantasy. And some people are not going to be totally down for that. I am. It definitely felt a lot like um, that Apple Plus show. Um, uh, gosh, what is it called? Where they go to work and uh, they their work life is separate from their um, um, personal life, and that those kind of you know those kind of reality bending shows are the ones that I like the most. Um, but I, I think this particular one, Nick Cage just slays it. And it, let's kind of go into Nick Cage's career, you know, because he started in this kind of innocuous, you know, coming to age films that most people, most people don't even know his early work other than like Valley Girl. Now, Valley Girl, I thought he was just, I thought he was the ball. I think it was the best of the Rat Pack actors, way better than Rob Lowe or Judd uh, um, Hirsch or, um, you know, Andrew McCarthy, Emilio Essa, all those, all those guys, what are they doing now? Nothing. Writing books about their lives. You know, they're hosting game shows. Uh, I don't even know what Emilio Essa is doing. So, you know, he was at a very high level early and, you know, Racing with the Moon, uh, his character, Nikki, with playing off of Sean Penn was so good. Birdie, I mean, come on. If you've never seen Birdie, you got to see Birdie. That's another strange, quirky character uh, that he played. Matthew Modine played Birdie, and he had to play off of that. Very tough. So Nick Cage has always been kind of an artist, but he started with the coming-of-age films, and then he started to adult. And when he became an adult, it was rising, Raising Arizona. Peggy Sue got married, Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona maybe, 
I had to look, but it's, it's in my top three favorites. And so he was adulting. He was doing more art house stuff. He was doing you know, Moonstruck and um, uh, Leaving Las Vegas. It crescendoed. His whole, his whole art house slash um, dramatic performance part of his career crescendoed with the Oscar of uh, uh, you know leaving Las Vegas where he's trying to you know drink himself to death. But he, he did a lot of good film. He did some fluffy. He did some fluffy. You know, like Honeymoon in Vegas, Guarding Tess, Trapped in Paradise, kind of fluffy stuff. But then, you know, he was doing some more serious stuff as well during Wild at Heart. I mean, come on, that was brilliant. Wild at Heart. Goodness gracious. So then, and then he shifted. So he went from that adulting art house kind of dramatic phase into the action movie phase, where you know, I mean, come on, The Rock, Con Air, Face Off, Snake Eyes, Gone in sixty seconds, uh, you know, and then you know, National Treasure. And he had a, he had a, you know, interspersed in there. He had things like Family Man. My wife loves the Family Man. And, and match matchstick man and and all of that and and so he had that he had that action star and then it went all the way till I think Ghost Rider I think Ghost Rider was the beginning of the end that was a huge bomb and then he had a you know next was a bomb well I liked next and then National Treasure too it did well it didn't do great and then Knowing was another good film but it bombed. And then I think with those bombs, Ghost Rider next and and knowing those um, that kind of ushered him into the next phase of his career, which was the direct to VHS, direct to video portion, and then you know Sorcerer's Apprentice and, and Season of the Witch, those kind of films, and so he he was mired. In those B-movies. But what was going on in his life? Well, I mean, if you know anything about Nick Cage, Nick Cage has been married five times. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was married to Patricia Arquette. And they were married for about five, six years. Very contentious relationship. They're living apart, separated. And he was married to her from like 95 to 2001. And then he, uh, right after that, he got married to Lisa Marie Presley for... A very short period of time, and so you know, two famous women in a row, and then I, I think he had, he had a long-term relationship after. I think that's when he had um, his wife that he was married to. That he he uh, he had a long marriage with. I think it was like 14, 15 years, and he, he his kid was named Cal L. He named his kid Cal L. I thought that was so cool. Um, I, I would hate to be that kid, but, uh, and then, and then he had a marriage to a, like a makeup artist that lasted four days. He tried to get the marriage annulled. It's like one of the briefest marriages in history. Um, <laughs> uh, so that, that, I thought that was really fascinating. And then, um, and then, and then now he's he's married to his current wife, and and they're going strong. Uh, so, 
you know, he's been married a lot of time. That's a lot of alimony and child support. He's got a couple kids he's had to pay for. Plus, uh, when the housing bubble burst, you know, eight, he was, I've seen some reports that he owed like six to $10 million. So he was underwater. He never went bankrupt, but he was totally underwater. Uh, from his real estate investments. Also, he owed the IRS $14 million. So he owed somewhere between 20 to $30 million. And he's so notorious. If you remember, when he came back and see his big moment after all those B-movies, because he had to pay the IRS back, and he had to, and he is just this exorbitant lifestyle. You know, just spend money like water, buy everything. I mean... One of the most famous things about him is that he he bought a uh, Action Comics number one, and then that was uh, it was stolen from him. There was a documentary done about this. It was stolen from him, and then the thieves somehow had the comic in a storage locker, and. They didn't pay their storage fee, so it's kind of like storage wars. Yeah, yep. You want to pay uh, five hundred and sixty five? Yep. And they bought the. Somebody got a hold of the storage locker, and then they found his comic in there, and he got his comic back after eleven years. It was stolen, and he got it back. Uh, it's just such a great story. It was a great story. So. I mean, he had a lot going on. He had he had he had to pay back, he pay his bills, pay pay alimony, child support, all of that, and then he just he had to get to work, and he had to make some dog shit movies. There's a couple good films in there, like Pig was good, uh, Frozen Ground. I liked Frozen Ground. There there's some good films in there, but there's some really terrible, terrible Nick Cage films in there, uh, you know. Uh, I think, uh, oh yeah, Dog Eat Dog, and I don't even remember him in Snowden. I liked uh, the USS Indianapolis. I thought that was it was a, it was a low budget film. Mom and Dad, that was terrible. Mandy was good, but he did a two one one. That was terrible, you know. So this latest one he did, uh, Retirement Plan, that looks terrible. I'll have to watch it, but it looks terrible. So. He's had this life where, you know, he's had a lot of turbulence and he's had he's had a, a roller coaster of a career. But he's one of the only actors from the 80s that are still doing it at a high level. So I did some Google searches on, you know, uh, actors and um, so hottest actors in the 80s, Clint. Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Robin Williams, no longer with us, Anthony Hopkins, Jack Nicholson, Michael Douglas, Sly Stallone, Bruce Willis, Kurt Russell. Love them all. None of them are top A-list people anymore. Douglas did some good stuff with Kaminsky at Method. Sly is doing uh, some, some TV and... He's getting nominated for Razzies in the uh, Expendables 4. But the, Willis is medically unable. Harrison destroyed his career, killed every iconic character that he uh, ever made. I don't understand why somebody would do that 
would John Wayne kill all of his great cowboy characters? No. I didn't. That was just career suicide. Clint is one of the greatest, but, you know, Clint's like 90. So those, they're irrelevant at this point. So who's still relevant from the 80s, still going, and that I respect a lot? Keanu, he's still going. He's still A-list. I mean, look at what he's done with the, the, the John Wick stuff. He's being cast in Star Wars stuff. So he's still at the top of his game. Tom Cruise is obviously still at the top of his game, even though they had the flop with um, Dead Reckoning. Um, pseudo-flop, but it's still, it didn't do as well. Brad Pitt is still at the top of his game. But, but let me ask you this. Does Keanu have the chops that Nick Cage has? No way. Tom Cruise, no way. Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt plays Brad Pitt for the most part, unless he's going crazy like 12 Monkeys, 12 Monkeys crazy. Uh, he's done crazy well a couple times, but he doesn't really have that kind of range. Another guy with range, but he's not at that level. A-list, still knocking down the studio-marketed films, uh, Kevin Bacon. He's kind of relegated to smaller roles, character actor roles, and then streaming. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson has is one of those guys. I love Mel, but he's not like he's not what he used to be before the whole sugar tits thing. You know, he he's he's come back. He's he's done well. He's rebuilt his career, but he's not quite. He's not at the the cage level that he's at now. He's not headlining major studio projects. De Niro's still at a high level, uh, but he's he's in more of a secondary high level, and he's old as shit. Uh, but he did great in Killers of a Flower Moon. Bill Murray's still at the top of his game. So, and then Denzel still still headlining top films. But of those guys, I would say like the ones that are still relevant, doing it high level, A list side of it, Denzel. Uh, Brad, Tom Cruise, Keanu, and Nick Cage. But of them all, Denzel is a tremendous actor as well. But he doesn't have the comedic chops that Nick Cage has. That's why I put Nick Cage at such a high, high level. And with Dream Scenario, it just shows his range. And that's why I think this rebuild and remodel of Nick Cage, I think it's going to continue. He may need to stop taking the check movies though he doesn't need to do five six movies a year anymore i'm sure after making literally 50 movies since his money woes i think he's got enough in the bank so i don't think we need to be making the retirement plan or sympathy for the devil or the old way these kind of movies, Willy's Wonderland, those movies, Nick, please don't make them anymore. Let's make two, three quality movies. Let's not Bruce Willis in it anymore. You know, not that that's, you know, I mean, he was he was taken advantage of, um, but we don't need to do that anymore. Um, what, one thing I would have loved to have seen is Nick Cage have done that Superman movie with Tim Burton. Superman Lives. That would have been cool. You know, a long-haired, black-suited Superman going against Brainiac in the dark kind of Burton, you know, landscape. That would have been great. Um, 
Also, you know, one thing I was thinking about, Nick, you know, he bought that haunted house from um, in, in New Orleans, one of the most haunted houses in America. He bought it. I mean, that's the kind of guy he is. Um, so, you know, when you think about his his film history and, and his life, I mean, he's just one of the most interesting. And it's never been like politics this or agenda that or ideology it's just all about you know him being just kind of a uh you know eccentric fun uh fun loving type of guy i think you know one thing he doesn't he can't get himself in as much trouble as these other actors so maybe we'll get we'll allow him some of these paycheck movies he's so damn busy making five six movies a year that he doesn't have the ability to piss a bunch of people off online because he's working. So, um, without further ado, I'm going to wrap it up. But I just got to say, I loved Dream Scenario. It's in my top uh, 10 movies of 2023. And uh, uh, I would definitely recommend seeing it. And uh, thank you for your time. But never forget to open your eyes.